episode number six. So we just released number four a couple days ago, which I think has been my favorite episode up to this point, having Roost on there. Yeah, it's fun to go back and listen, even though we recorded it, to just go listen. Because I think when you're doing it, you kind of miss, because you're thinking about things and you miss actually letting it marinate, you know, what you heard. I agree with that. I don't know what the right word is. I feel a little self-conscious listening to it. Yeah. If I'm by myself listening to it, just to have some feedback on maybe things we can do better, I don't have a problem listening to it. But my wife likes to, if we drive somewhere, she wants to listen to it. And it, I'm not going to lie, it feels weird. <laughs> so, but I, I did enjoy listening back to it because there were some things that we talked about that I, I hadn't really remembered that we'd gotten to. Uh-huh. We, so we're shooting for a Tuesday release. Right. And I thought we were on track to do that. I made a mistake in the way that I sent the files that we had recorded to be edited. And so that threw everything off by a couple of days. And that's why we were, what was it, Thursday or Friday? Yeah, I think it was. We should be good to go on Tuesdays from here on out. That's the, we'll be locked in. By the time this comes out, hopefully, yeah, it's all been flowing and that's that's starting stuff new that's that's growth right that's computers and me that's actually <laughs> what that is <laughs> that's kind of far for the course when it comes to anything computers and me trying to figure stuff out uh, we should be pretty good on every tuesday yeah that's our goal anyway yeah and hopefully that's that's the kicker and you guys can just plan on that here and there you may you may be a day late but i got a few messages from people saying hey I was waiting for this on Tuesday or Tuesday morning. They're like, I'm excited for this, which is cool to hear. And uh, it didn't come out. Like, hey, where's, where's it at? Well, actually what the situation was that I, when you got those messages and your responses to them, I was able to call you and say, hey, this is hello from under the bus. Because <laughs> you let them know. <laughs> hey, no, no I, I'm kidding. <laughs> I did not. I kept it very anonymous. We're having technical difficulties. I didn't. I mean, you're not to pin it on, you know, this is in Luke's hands. It's 100% his deal. 100% my fault. <laughs> you guys, speaking of Luke, we're going to get to this in a little bit, but I want to mention it right off the get-go so you know what's upcoming a little bit later in the, in the episode today. You, you kind of know me. You kind of know my story. You know what, what I'm up to on, on YouTube, on the Wild Wild West channel. Some of you follow along kind of on the daily Instagram stuff at Shamanush that's going on. But Luke yet remains somewhat of a mystery because you may not know him. Some of you may, but most of you don't. So a little later on in the show today, we're going to chat with Luke a little bit about his backstory and what got him from being the young kid falling from the chute and loading hogs to prison dentist slash, what's the word? Adventuring agronomist. I think, is there a word for that? It is. It's called hobby farmer. Hobby farmer. <laughs> I was trying to really kind of dress it up, but uh, you're going to get to learn a little bit more about that as we go along. So uh, stay tuned for that as we kick down. But first, there was a couple things that came up this week that are like really fresh in my mind that this is what I love about doing this weekly is on top of being able to share stories and things and whatnot, we do plan on being able to talk about some things that, you know, that have popped up recently. We mentioned some things in the last episode, you know, with the speed limiter mandates don't want to get too heavy. I think there's plenty of other people that are covering like the constant, the news of the day for, you know, all the trucking stuff, but just a few, we'll kind of handpick a few things here and there. And, and this specific topic or subject came right into my face because it popped up on my Instagram this week. And, and it was, it was about a truck stop here in Montana and the news coverage that was given on this subject was very negative from the trucking side of things. The trucking reports were extremely negative. And typically I'm, I'm pretty on board with, you know, what they're, what they're saying. Cause I do truck, but this specific little one here that I'm going to, I'm going to kick out to you. I felt like they had it all backwards and nobody, nobody really understands. So I want to, because it was a local Montana issue that made the national news. I want to kind of share my perspective on it. See what you think. But loves truck stop. Okay, if you guys don't know out there, you may have seen these as you travel along on the highways and byways. Probably not on the highways. It's actually pretty much limited to freeways. 
you're not really going to find the loves. By and large, you're not going to find them anywhere that's not on an actual freeway. So let's see, the freeway that runs through there from Montana, this would be on I-90, a little bit west of Butte, Montana, there is this tiny little community called Ramsey, Montana. And it, to be honest with you, it doesn't really register as a town. It's like there's Butte and you keep moving west and there's like the name is on the exit, but you don't really see it and recognize it as a town. But this little, this little bip on the map of Ramsey made national news because Love's Travel Centers, I believe initially this started a couple of years ago, they came and said, we are going to put a Love's truck stop in Ramsey, Montana, and it's going to provide jobs and it's going to bring commerce and help boost the local economy of Ramsey, which doesn't really have an economy because it's so close to Butte. Like there's not things in Ramsey. It's, it's just a place where you live to not be in, you know, the city of Butte, Montana. So it, I see what they're saying, but people in Ramsey aren't going to be the people that are going to be, you know, manning the Love's Travel Center. And so uh, they proposed this and the people of Ramsey got together and threw a big, big, huge stink about this. And they said, absolutely not. We're not going to allow this. We do not want this. We do not want this. And some of the reasons that, that they gave was, you know, there's going to be increased truck traffic right here on our little exit of our little community. And I think what I'd read in the news reports too was, you know, along with truck stops comes some potential problems with, you know, things that surround truck stops. Let me interject yeah. for just a second. When people are, or when it was discussed that this would stimulate the economy in that area, Ramsey has, I think it has less than 250 residents. And the average age is around 50 years old. This isn't even like the suburbs of Butte. I wouldn't even consider that where it's people don't actually want to live in Butte. They're going to just go get a little place out of town. This is just a, an old dying town, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's average age 50, 250 people live there. So as far as stimulating economy, there's really nothing there to stimulate. You're exactly right. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's a great point. So... They they caused this stink. It makes the news a couple of years ago. Well, it all trickled down here recently, and more or less the town of Ramsey won in the sense that Loves said, "Okay, fine, we're not going to do it." Now, this is credit to Loves, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because there was some litigation on this, and I don't know the extent of the litigation, if it was actually taken to court or if it was like county commissioner type stuff and permitting whatnot. But every step of the way loves one. I don't know how else to say it. Every step of the way, they had no reason from a legal standpoint, county permitting, everything, everything was go ahead. Loves could do as they wanted to. So they could have they, put yeah. their store up. Could, they could procure the land and do it if they chose. Yep. The, the residents were fighting it. Loves was winning every step of the way. And, and just fairly recently, Love said, hey, they don't want us here. We're not going to do it. So credit to Love that they, even though legally they could do it, they chose to back out because they did not have the community support. So good for Loves. Right. That's another, I mean, that's another great point. So give credit. So this is where the, this is where the negative press started to come in. This is what popped up for me. And this was uh, what popped up on my Instagram was the Asian My Instagram page. And he was talking about it. And covered it in a really negative way as far as talking about the, the people of Ramsey and the, and the community in Montana. And then, of course, as you read through the comments, it was like, see if we ever deliver goods to Ramsey ever again. Like, they're on their own and you guys can just starve to death without truckers. And, and you know, basically in a nutshell, it was different variations of that same sentiment. And it was really frustrating to me because here's the thing. And I'm going to be honest about this. Truck stops, first and foremost, are not nice. Like they're not, wow, this is great. If you ever are wondering what a truck stop is like, pull into one at about one in the afternoon and go drive around the outer, just the outer ring of the parking. Okay, there's very few trucks will be there at 1 p.m. Just take a little spin around the outer circle and you're going to find some of the grossest things that you can find to be discarded. My my experiences have been the asphalt is sticky. 
because so many people, you know, pee in their cups in the sleeper and then dump it out their window on the asphalt, that there's just kind of this permanent layer of soda and whiz kind of combined <laughs> just across. So, so that's kind of the, the scape of the parking lot. The guys that don't dump it out will pee in the jugs and then they'll just throw the jugs just beyond the asphalt, just into the grass. Even though there's garbage cans there, they just, they just all this nasty filth all the way around. And the coverage makes it seem, and the comments made it seem like, hey, we're, you know, we're just good old truckers out here working hard, and I can't believe these, these silly people in Ramsey would think that we're so gross. And I'm like, guys, y- you kind of have to be honest with yourselves. Would you in your hometown, just think about this, in your hometown, where if it's 200 people, the truck stop becomes like half of the, it's like it's right there. Would you in your own little backyard and be honest with yourselves, this isn't some remote exit on a Midwest freeway with nothing around it. This is their little community. And would you want poop in bags in the grass around your area? Would you want gallon jugs, three or four or five at a time? They, they literally, some of these drivers, and it's a, it's a cultural problem in the trucking industry, they will, they will build up multiple jugs in their truck. I've seen this. And they will like pull multiple jugs of whiz out and set on the ground at the truck stop. Just like, there you go, someone. And so when I look at it from that perspective, I'm like, I wouldn't want that in my backyard. I mean, there's nobody that actually would. So, and none of that, none of that was really spoken to. And then this was the big misleading fact of all this. You know, there were some comments that said, you don't know what it's like to be a trucker and have no place to park. So when, when we hear of a new truck stop going in, we're very excited. And this is a shame. I'll never stop in Ramsey for anything. You're like, well, it's okay. Cause there's nothing to stop there for, but there's two huge Huge mega truck stops on each side of the freeway, one and a half miles exactly east of Ramsey, Montana. That is a big flying J on one side and a big town pump, which I think is also a flying J on both sides of the freeway. And that, I mean, that wasn't mentioned. So these people are already dealing with a massive amount of trucks in that little, you know, mile and a half region. And uh, personally, I didn't want it because. The reason I know Ramsey is because we pull off the freeway that that's where the stockyards are in Butte. So when we're loading cattle, they have a sale on Tuesday and Friday. We go in there with cattle trucks and that's personally, I don't want to deal with the huge influx of trucks in and out on top of having to load cattle right there at that same location. So uh, not to mention the extra trucks that would be parking in our stockyards there. So anyway, Ramsey, I'm, I'm with you. Loves, appreciate you, you know listening to the people and there's plenty of other places that are that are able to house a truck stop you know and from a marketing standpoint maybe not the best place anyway where it's where it's right next to two other big competitors on the freeway do you have a favorite truck stop in montana my mm-hmm. favorite one is the one in bonner montana just bef- just um east of missoula right at the junction yeah yeah that is a sp- one where it does not matter hour of the day there's not something interesting going on at it. Right. I, I've, that is a good one. I've been to that thing at almost every hour of the day, and there's always something interesting happening at that place. It has just the right collection of people between the travelers and the kind of whatever else congregates around Missoula that it is. You're, you're, <laughs> I probably just drove by it today, this morning, and it just never, it's never quiet there. Yeah. And Butte. Montana has a reputation. It does. It is actually the in Montana. <laughs> and if you're from Butte, you'll laugh at this because you know. So it's not even offensive to those of you that live there, but it's spelled B-U-T-T-E. And as long as I can remember, we kind of always have joked since I was young that it's kind of the butt of Montana. Is it's that, always, where, you, is it's that al- where you were going? Well, it's always been known as kind of a rough town. Right, because it was an old mining community. It, I mean, Irish... A lot of Irish Catholic. And yeah, in fact, it's really the only spot that survived the mining years for the most part. No, I'm not saying Irish Catholic is a... <laughs> I, are rough. <laughs> I'm not saying anything bad about that, but I think there is a stereotype of Irish 
Oh, tough. Being tough. Brawlers. Drinkers and brawlers. I mean, that's the thing they do, right? Rob O'Neill, who was the Navy SEAL. Oh, yeah. Who who killed Bin Laden. He's from Butte. Yep. And if you listen to, if you read or listen to his book, I mean, if his podcast he's been on, I mean, he, he talks with pride about Butte being rough. It's a rough town. Yeah. So a truck stop outside of a rough town is by extension going to be probably a rough truck stop. Right. Yeah, that's true. Which just what it is. Yeah. You know, you're talking about truck stops being not the nicest places. When I was in North Dakota, right up when I graduated from dental school, I went to North Dakota for about two years, right into the middle of the oil fields, which was right in the middle of that oil boom that was happening. Just a small little town. It Watford City is where it was. Small little town, which expanded by not hundreds of thousands of people, thousands and thousands of people, maybe tens of thousands of people yeah. almost overnight. But none of them were permanent. And they knew they weren't. So they had no vested interest whatsoever in... Like pride of... Of the community. Of the community in the area. Right. And that was a big problem between the residents of Watford City and all the non-residents who would come in for the, the oil boom. There was a lot, of, a lot of conflict and a lot of um, discord going on because of that. Because the town was just this little bucolic farm community that all of a sudden turned into a little bit of a dump. (laughs) And over time, as they got more infrastructure in place to handle this massive influx, and then some people became more permanent, that that did kind of, they got over that hump, and it it got over kind of that dump fill. Williston never did. Yeah. But Williston, (laughs) but I think a, a truck stop has a little bit of that similar feeling, is that no one coming into a truck stop there's no vested interest in it it's this is a place for me to get some fuel maybe get some food and dump whatever i need to out of my truck and on the road so the residents of ramsey when you're in a small little community and when i say small 200 people i mean 250 people think of the high school just the high schools in a lot of the towns you live in right most of them have more than 200 students that's the the whole community so if you're that small you're likely to have a little bit of pride and a little bit of investment in your community. Yeah. So if you have something coming in that is going to bring potentially extra thousands of people per day yeah, it would. to your community that have no vested interest in it, you can see how the residents may be concerned about all of the work they put in their community, you know? Yeah. See, and that's what, and that's, that's a great point. And that's what we are as, as truckers. It's, you have to think of the human side of your life. When we you know when you're when you're talking about this, because you're right, it's when they're in and out of your community, and, and maybe as truckers we need to remember that a little more and try to keep that in the forefront. When you do stop, think you know what somebody somebody lives around here, somebody drives by this little truck stop every day on their way to work, somebody sees this buildup of trash, and you know I think I don't, I doubt that most of you listening to this are are hopefully you're not. If you are, you better repent and change your ways. But it, hopefully, I think most listeners aren't the ones that are, you know, dumping poop bags. Got to enunciate that poop bags in the back row of the truck stop. But anyway, the whole point of sharing that was just that there's always a little more. So you know, don't when you hear some of these stories and these things, try to try to have a little bit of an open mind and and see both sides. You know, give love some credit like you did, and uh, also try to understand a little bit where this community is coming from. That it's not as cut and dry as. You know, they hate truckers. That's why they don't want a truck stop. Probably has little, in fact, probably has nothing to do with their feelings toward a trucker, but mostly what's going to happen to their, to their little slice of heaven. <laughs> and then speaking of, of economics and, you know, money flow relating things, there's a recently here in this last little while, something that popped up that was new here, you know, a week or two ago about student loans. Here's what I'm going to do right now. This little couple minutes, I'm just going to share with you my student loan experience. I'm not going to like go on this rage about this or that. All I'm going to do is just tell you my student loan experience and you can take whatever you want from it. You know, we have people that listen from all corners of the world and all perspectives. So all I can do is share my experience and then allow you to, to glean what you want. So believe it or not, and we may have mentioned this before. I, I did not go to a day of college. And I'm going to go ahead 
And you know, this is funny because I used to hang my hat on a little bit when people would say, "What? What's your What's your education?" I would always say, "Trade school." And they're like, "Oh, what, what? What do you mean? Like what? What trade?" And I'd say auctioneering. And they're like, "Oh, cool! I didn't know there's a trade school for that." And I'm like, "Yep, yep. There's an auction college." And so I would always, in my younger years, when I was a little less secure about my education or my lack thereof, I would kind of use that as like a crutch to be like, "No, no, I, I'm I'm college educated," <laughs> and and in reality, auction college is, it's two weeks. And even nowadays, most of that's an at-home online course. And then you actually come for in-person training for about four days. So back when I went through, it was a full two weeks. And you'd go to a hotel convention center and you'd book out, you know, they block out rooms for two weeks straight. And you'd go to auction school. So, and when I got done, they gave me this little kind of a diploma that was printed out on like the word art. You know, you remember Microsoft Word, the old Word art? It was printed on, you know, on something like that. So, <laughs> you know, when they asked to see the diploma, I usually kind of, oh, yeah, it's got lost in, in a move or, <laughs> or whatnot. But can I interject about diplomas? <laughs> yeah. So we'll probably get to this. My experience with student loans in dental school. Half a million dollars, essentially. The dental school I went to, extremely expensive. I think. Our school in USC went back and forth for who could be the most expensive year to year. Oh, I didn't know. Doing it over again, I, I would choose the very cheapest dental school. I, we could go into that some other point, why I would say that. But nonetheless, I didn't. Mm-hmm. And so when we walked across the stage at graduation, the dean hands you your, well, what you think is your diploma. It's in a little, little cylinder, cardboard cylinder container. And you open it up and it's literally how to sign up to make alumni donations to the school. That's what's in it. So they just collected $500,000 from me for the past four years. And instead of giving me the diploma over the stage, they gave me a slip to sign up so I can continue to donate to the school. Yeah. I'm sure by now, all these years later, you have made several donations to being an alumni of this institution. Exactly how many donations? I actually... My first and only contact with them was to take me off all contact lists. Oh. <laughs> so I have no idea what happened to that school. <laughs> so, dude, that's so funny because most people are like, so it's such a point of pride, you know, like I'm an alumni of whatever. And here you are. <laughs> Don't ever call me again. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, they didn't even give us a diploma okay. at graduation. They gave us a way that we could continue to give money back to the school after they collected $500,000 from us. So I got that at least. At least I got like a legitimate diploma that wasn't asking for anything more than just to be hung on the wall, which I'm not even able to do. So, okay. So uh, anyway, that's all the schooling I have. Now my wife went to school, didn't finish her, her schooling, but went to enough school. She kind of made a similar mistake on a smaller scale where she went out to Oregon and she took some some courses for for a while. I can't remember even which school it was, but it was it was a school that is expensive and takes a lot of money for a little bit of class work. I think she was only there for a, a semester or two, and then realized that this was not going to be sustainable. But by then, had run up, you know. I think in the end, she ended up with about twenty thousand dollars of student loans. I think it was just shy of twenty, or maybe it was just over twenty one thousand. And uh, you know. Whatever, no big deal. It's not something you like chat about while you're dating. Really, you talk finances and things, but and maybe your your financial ideology. But I don't remember specifically like sitting down and making phone calls and finding just exactly what the the dollar for dollar was. Not that that would have changed my mind. You know, we're in love, still in love. Not you know, it's all good. It's all good. Did she tell you about it? Before you got married, or is this after you got married? I'm going to have to say she did tell me about it. I wish she was here to to defend herself a little bit. <laughs> but but I think I remember being a little surprised maybe by the amount. I had always heard of student student loans. You know, I knew that to go in state, it was, you know, a few thousand dollars a year, whatever it was going to cost. I didn't quite factor in what out-of-state tuition to Oregon was going to be for a, a few a few short semesters. But nonetheless, here we are. We're freshly married. She was nannying, making $400 a week for a, for a doctor back home. I was working at the livestock auction as a young budding auctioneer. 
I was working down in billing, trying to help sell cars down there at the auto auction. And then I was, you know, doing the ranch stuff and whatever. It ended up probably being another $400. I bet we made $800, $1,000 a week, maybe combined. But debt and all that has always been something on my radar that I've, that I've stayed away from. So we, we make a plan and we throw everything that we have. I mean, everything we have at knocking out this debt. Like we got old junky cars. We're, uh, we're living in a ranch house on the ranch, kind of trading ranch work for housing and, you know, doing the deal. We didn't have any obligations. We don't have any kids, no other, no other payments. So we just threw everything we had. We want to get clear this debt. So that's what we did and paid off this, you know, this 20, whatever thousand dollars of $21,000 of student loan debt in oh, the first year, I think of our marriage. And, you know, we didn't have, we'd, in fact, this is funny. This is a young married story that you'll laugh at. I somehow talked Haley in, and she wasn't big on TV, but this was before streaming. And I talked her into thinking that it was acceptable to have an XM radio in our house. So I could take an XM radio out of one of dad's tractors and I got this home dock and I put it in the bedroom and we could put it on. And if we wanted to look like, whoa. If you need to hear the news or anything that's going on or some music, we'll just use the XM radio and that will be our, <laughs> that will suffice. And so that's what we did for that first year. We had no, we didn't have anything, just the old XM radio and, and a few dollars that we, uh, that we spread around. And anyway, we got the student loan debt knocked out. We since went on, here, here we are these years later. And then I hear this a while back about that the, the student loans, there's some stipulations and some different levels of loanage. But that they are, I don't know if it's, if it's totally for sure, if it's kind of in the works, probably going to happen. Maybe, maybe you can clarify, but that these student loans are going to be forgiven. So now I'm kicking myself thinking, I should have just waited. I should just put it off. I should just paid the interest. But how would you ever know that they would actually come out one day and be like, sha na 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 all is forgiven. So here I am. That's my experience. We worked hard. We sacrificed. We paid them off. And that's that. I guess that was, now it feels like a mistake, (laughs) but whatever. It made us tough. Well, as it is now, what has just been, well, they have been forgiving student loans for a couple of years. And a lot of it was for-profit schools that had scammed people. Oh, So they were they were forgiving student loans on some of those. Some of the other student loans you hear about previous being forgiven were people who had been in public service of some kind for a number of years. They had their student loans forgiven. But just the past week or so, it's been, I mean, it's been a hot point on the news that they're going to forgive $10,000 of loans. So that wouldn't have covered everything. That you guys had no, but I mean, it would have been like this. It would have been like this huge Dude, chunk, half right? of it, like this massive percentage. Yeah, but there, I mean, there's some some stipulations based off of your income as a single or as a couple to get that ten thousand dollars. We're not sure how it's going to work because they haven't released any. They haven't released really any details. They haven't released where the money's coming from to do it. Me personally, yeah. How does this? How does this play into your? <laughs> how does this play into your student loans this is going to sound crude but you might as well give me one of those jugs of piss out of the <laughs> semi trucks <laughs> for how much it would help me <laughs> what well, did you say a minute ago how much student loan what's the total coming out of dental school 500,000 and my wife went to dental school 500,000 so we have a, we came out of dental school with a million in student loans okay and right shortly out of dental school I had hired a kind of a financial consulting company who helps you analyze practices you're going into or buying for best practices to, to just manage the practice, manage your personal finances. And this lady that we worked with was very, very smart. I mean, she, she had brilliant answers for anything, but we butted heads on student loans. She wanted, she wanted me to have a very strict student loan repayment plan in place. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I said, I'm never going to pay them. I'm going to just pay the minimum payment for the rest of my life on them. You can do something called income-based repayment, which means your income is analyzed and you're given a monthly payment based off of your income. It varies year to year, whatever your income is, but you will never 
pay off your student loans on an income-based repayment if you've got a million dollars in student loans. Uh-huh. And I told her, this is what I'm going to do. And she said, it's a horrible idea. And uh-huh. I said, well, why not? She goes, because you, because you just don't ever want to have debt. I said, I understand that. I understand the idea of never having debt. Right. But I don't think you understand. And she goes, no, you don't understand. I'm like, no. <laughs> You're not the one with a million dollars of dental school debt. She goes, I need to think about this. And so she went back with her, you know, the other guy that she works with and they kicked it around and she came back and she said, I think you're right. Oh, she goes, as you are right now, you're going to have to pay. It was just under $80,000. You will have to pay just under $80,000 per year in just an in interest before you start paying down principal. So if I paid $70,000 per year in loan repayment, I would never touch my principal. You're I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even meet all my interest. 70,000. So you got to, so you have to pay $80,000 a year for the rest of your life just to do nothing, just to keep, just not, to, not, I have to, I would have to, but if you do income based repayment, you don't have to okay, because but, you, you don't but, even get anywhere close to that. But with her plan, that's what, that's what it was. So 80 plus, you have to pay another amount just to start knocking that million dollars down to get, yeah, start knocking the million dollars down. Oh, like, Okay. <laughs> Not realistic. So you guys, I want you to think about this next time you go to the dentist and you're like, man, 120 bucks for a filling or whatever it is that oof, just think about that dentist and be soft. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. My thoughts on college are that a person should not go to college unless they need a college degree for licensure. Mm-hmm. That's smart. So there are a few professions where you need licensure to do the profession. Dentist, doctor, mm-hmm. attorney, school teacher. Yeah. What else? You know, you look around Montana, at least in our area, and like none of these, these are like good family supporting jobs, you know, around here. You know, whether it's working for, for the telecommunications company or the co-op or they're not jobs that would have required, I mean, they pay a good full wage that you can support a family with and they didn't require any of that. There's a huge amount of jobs that don't require. So what do, you, what do you think, what would that do nationwide? Just this is totally hypothetical, but just imagine this, that nationwide people actually really took that to heart and only went to gain licensure. And all these universities that are bloated and overinflated with tuition all of a sudden are facing no students or a huge slash in the amount of students. What does that do to the cost of tuition? It would have to drive it down, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would think so. I, I think that the cost of education has, has become a business versus a necessity. I, I mean, it's, yeah. you look at like Harvard, Yale, some of these big Ivy League schools, they have endowments that are, I believe they're not taxed that are in the tens of billions of dollars. With a B? With a B. Oh, they have endowments that they don't, they're not taxed on. Yet you have huge amounts of tuition yeah. for a lot of these institutions. I, I don't know. I, seems, seems it's beyond my pay grade, yeah. but I don't think that school is necessary. I don't think that college is necessary unless you need licensure. In fact, I would, I would never encourage my children to go to college unless they were pursuing it a career that required licensure. Interesting. Especially with YouTube. Yeah. Right? You can, there's so much stuff out there. So much education. I say that kind it's of facetiously, fun, right? but it's also very true. There is, there is, I don't know if there's anything that I learned in my undergrad as far as general courses that you could not easily access on YouTube in a, ordering a book off Amazon. Really? I don't know. And then, and then on top of that, I, I would also, if you insist on going to college, absolutely go junior college or community college first before a four university because before a four year university. Yeah. Cause the, the cost is so much less, so much less. Mm-hmm. I, I went to, I kicked around a, a number of different things just over the course of my life before I dialed in on thinking that a, the medical field was the direction I was going. And when I decided to do that, I did two years at a, a junior college. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, I think it was a junior college or community college. I, don't, I can't remember which one, but I remember my wife at the same time was going to college at UC San Diego, which is a, a powerhouse school in California, particularly in the sciences. Okay. 
she was studying human biology and I was studying biology at the little <laughs> local junior college. <laughs> and I remember, you know, we, on the weekend we'd see each other and I'd bring my schoolwork and she'd have her schoolwork and we had the same textbook. Seriously? Same, same textbook. Difference is she had a class of three or 400 people and she had an instructor who was only teaching because it was a requirement of him being able to receive grants for research at the university. Uh-huh. I had a class of 20 people with a teacher who was accessible almost 24 hours a day for very in-person learning. So you would argue from that perspective that the junior college is even a, a better structure for education because of the size. In some way, it, I had the same textbook and I had a teacher who was more committed to me. Yeah, that's the fact. I don't know. Yeah. So let's, let's go ahead and let's just launch in then to, to your story because you're starting to get, you know, some different bits and pieces of this. So you guys, Luke, as we mentioned before, is he is the oldest. He is the El Presidente of the children of Rooster and Woo Woo, our parents. So being the oldest in the family, I'm going to tell you this from my perspective, being the oldest in the family comes comes to Luke with some unique, I'm going to say responsibilities, just some unique weight. As a younger, as one of the younger kids, like anything that Luke did was, it was like, that is law. Whether it was, whether it was, he was telling you, don't do this. It was like, okay, I'm not going to do it. Luke said not to do it. Or whether it was like, Luke is playing the guitar. So I'm definitely playing the guitar too. And in fact, it's funny. That's how, that's how I got into music. I remember when you first came home and, you know, brought the, the acoustic guitar home, you know, you'd played electric in high school and you brought the acoustic guitar home and we're singing and singing and playing was just such a like, what? So like, I have to do that now. So like immediately, you know, we launch into guitars and chord charts and, and here we go. But I, I would say that one of your one of your strongest traits, and this is this has probably got you into plenty of pickles growing up, was that Luke is extremely, extremely strong-willed and extremely independent. And I'm gonna say my first memory of of this, and you I'm sure you had earlier ones, but my first memory of like, wow, Luke's in trouble because he did something that was very independent. And it was when you were in high school playing basketball and you had, you had dyed that strip of your hair in the back blue to match the school colors. And didn't you get like, did you get suspended or what? what I can't remember. What did the principal do? Well, one thing <laughs> is I usually am very aware of what the rules say. Okay. That's what leads all this to start with. So I, I, I was very fluent in the school handbook. Okay. And I don't even remember. It was, it was stupid. The hair, <laughs> the hair, the hair, do this, whatever it was. It, be back in it was stupid. 93, three, five, three or 94. I don't know. Okay. I think it was like, if my kid did it, I'd be like, Whoa. I mean, it was <laughs> <laughs> like, like stylistically you'd be going, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't reckon, I recognize that it was. It was nothing good, but I was, I mean, the, the music that I listened to at that time, whatnot, I think influenced that. But anyway, I knew that there was nothing in the school handbook that says you couldn't dye hair. And so I, I did it and it was kind of an electric blue. It wasn't like the school color blue. It was kind of neon. And oh, I forgot about that part of it. Yeah. The, Mm -hmm. the principal of school and I. Had a history of conflict, like power struggle type. <laughs> you, you, you pushing the the limits and him trying to enforce the limit. Okay, I I admit that I <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I didn't mind getting under his skin, but in ways where I I didn't leave him much room to come down on me too hard. Yeah. Okay. For instance, I I remember an English class one time. It was one of the few times where I was actually trying to pay attention to what the teacher was saying. And whoever was sitting behind me kept tapping me on the shoulder, wanting to get my attention for something. And I finally turned around and said, Hey, let's wait till after class. I'm trying to listen to this. And right when I said that, the teacher lost his mind, kicked me out of class. <laughs> and I yeah. tried, I tried to tell him, wait, hold on. This is, 
This is the one time where I'm trying to listen. He wouldn't have anything to do with it. So I, so I consciously said, all right, where do you want me to go then? (laughs) Normally if they kick you out of class, you are supposed to go down to the office and then you report to the principal and then whatever happens, happens. But I consciously said, all right, if you're kicking me out, where do you want me to go? And he said, I don't care. Just get out of here. Okay. So I just went home. <laughs> okay. I was like, ah, you, you, tell, you don't care. Just get out of here. So I went home. Okay. <laughs> so you just vanished from the school. Teacher told me I can go anywhere, but here. That's so I, what he told me. He's your authority figure. And that's what he told you. So I, so I went home, hung out for the rest of the class period, and then went back to school for my, the beginning of the next class, the next period. And about five or 10 minutes into the class over the intercom of the school, you know, the announcement that I'm supposed to go down to the principal's office. And so I get in there and he's freaking out, you know, where'd you go? What'd you do? And I said, no, I went home. And he goes, you can't do that. Why'd you do that on and on? I said, well, I I asked the teacher, where do you want me to go? And he said, he didn't care. Just get out of there. (laughs) So I said, since he said, just get out of there, I figured the safest place to be was at home with my parents. (laughs) Okay. So he, this illustrates this. Okay. So this is this, this whole sentiment and feel. This is, this is Luke right here. Like this man brings it all. This story is. I'll give you another example. Yeah. I had one teacher who was very strict about when the bell rang, you had to be in your seat. So you could have been in the classroom for five minutes before the bell rang. And if you're just standing next to, uh, you know, someone else's desk talking or even standing at your desk, if you're not in your seat, when the bell rings. She has what's called an unexcused tardy. You have to leave. You have to go to the principal's office. You have to get a note. Yeah, that has consequences with athletics, right? Yes. Yeah. And then you come back to class. So I realized that an unexcused tardy, the only difference between an unexcused and an excused is you have a note from your parents saying, please excuse you, my child, for being late for class. Back then, they didn't have a reason. You just had to have a note from your parents. Just a note. So this teacher a couple times I just, I felt it unfairly. Okay. I wasn't sitting in my seat when the bell rang. So if okay. that was a rule, I was breaking the rule, but unfairly, I felt she was targeting me to go get unexcused tardies. But I don't think she realized that an excuse tardy was, all you had to do was get a note for your parents. So if I was going to be tardy, then I went home for the whole class, except for the <laughs> last five minutes and came back with a note. Tardy's tardy. So I was tardy. <laughs> okay. That's sharp, man. So, that's pretty sharp. So it was, it was little things like this where I, I knew the handbook, I knew the rules. And so I could, I could kind of skate around them while getting under people's skin without getting in trouble. It's just real smooth. Okay. Okay. And so I think with, with when my hair had been dyed, there was nothing in the rule book and I got called down to the principals about that. And I didn't get in trouble because I, he goes, I, I, I don't even, I think he just said, do we understand each other? And I said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, what do you mean? And he just kept saying, do we understand each other? <laughs> I said, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Definitely not. But I did know, but I wasn't going to say what my hair, I just said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't think anything ever came of it. Uh-huh. Weren't they threatening that, weren't you, it was like, you weren't going to be able to play basketball and he was trying to get you to, it seemed like unless you tamed it down, because I remember you went back and got it kind of. You get it retouched up to be much more subtle. I think that is if there's not a, a result of the principal. <laughs> okay. But we had a, I was a sophomore uh-huh. and I was, I was maybe not quite as confident in myself. And we had an away game with a severe rival. Uh-huh. And my position on the court was always in front of their student section. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you were a, looking out for I yourself. A beating. I remember <laughs> just you? taking a beating about this Papa Smurf. It was just chanted for the whole game. <laughs> and it got under my skin a little bit. Uh, I think that's why it backed off. But Okay. And we grew up in a town. We grew up in a town that back in those days, especially 100% basketball town. I mean, it's a town of 600 people. And like had this massive reputation for a lot of years about basketball. And uh, this was always something as a younger sibling again. You, Luke... Make sure I'm correct on this, but you played on the state championship. You played for the Montana state championship all four years of high school, freshman through 
senior, correct? Yes. Okay. Now, that's that's unique in in a basketball town where there's a lot of basketball talent as a freshman to be on the the state team. How did that kind of work? I didn't. I was on the varsity team. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens? I was on I was on junior varsity. Right, you up played until, all season. Up until playoffs started, and then they bring up players because they need more practice players going to playoffs. And they had this thing called tournament team, and it was it was always a big deal to see like okay, whose season is over, in you know, in the JV team, and who's going to get pulled up to be able to you know make tournament team. So that's that's a tournament team I I was part of, but it zero court time, uh-huh. right? But I mean, you're yeah, you're on the team. And then, but then sophomore year, I, I ended up starting on varsity about halfway through my sophomore year and we won, we won state freshman year, sophomore year. We lost in the state championship game junior year and we won senior year. Okay. So, and when you lost the one year you guys lost, it was by, it was like a, like a, by was it a point, two points, two points. So, I mean, it was, you're that close to a clean four-year sweep. So something about Luke that was always fun, he had this, and I, I, don't, I have no idea how you developed this, but like if Luke did not make like five to seven three-pointers a game, it was like, hey, like what's going on? It was literally, from my perspective as, as a young feller, it was like, if he touches it, just like shoot it. It's, it's a three-pointer and you're going to make it every time. I think that five to seven is probably the little kid exaggeration. Is it? <laughs> Dude, it felt like it felt like it was just like constant, like and then it, I remember at the end of the year they'd they'd publish in the tournament paper, they would publish everyone's stats and who was the leader for three pointers. You were always like, I, I won't make up any numbers anymore because they're probably kid exaggerations, but you were always the lead three point man in the whole district by a long shot. I shot a lot too. Yeah. I shot a lot of three pointers. Yeah. Did you, did you feel back then like you made most of them? Yeah, I think I shot pretty well. Yeah. There's a number of reasons that I would say we had an exceptional point guard. Yeah. Yeah. Exceptional. Yeah. Who was, I mean, he was the heart and soul of our team and we had some other tremendous players. So when you have that, it, it opens you up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the reason we're talking about, you just might seem silly to talk so much about sports, but again, some of you that are from a small town, you'll understand that it's, it's like the thing. I mean, going to the games, the football games, the basketball games, it's, it's like the thing. I mean, there's really nothing else to go on in those fall and winter months in these little, these rural towns. That's why it becomes such a big deal, like down in Texas. So like Fairfield, the nineties, it was here in Fairfield, they yeah. called it the decade of dominance. Because uh-huh. I think out of the 10 years of the 90s, I think seven, I have to go back and, and look, but I think seven of the years of the 90s, we had one state. Mm-hmm. We had a, a coach named Dean, Dean Gamrod up until he retired, which he retired the year after, he retired the year we graduated. His, his youngest son was our point guard. He was the winningest coach in Montana history. As far as I know, that's still correct. Mm-hmm. So we were, we were, we were well coached. Football, we just took beatings. Couldn't be more total opposite when it came to football in the town back in the 90s, right? Yeah, we were all, we were all basketball players and we played football to get us to basketball season. And oh, we just took beatings. I remember, I remember some games like 70 to zero. Oh, just getting hammered. Just getting destroyed. We had a fairly, athletic class so we were we were playing varsity football as freshmen and sophomores which the just the body difference in freshmen to seniors is it's just a size thing man so we were just getting crushed by the time we got to our senior year we had a we had a solid football team very few people i mean i don't know maybe 15 people played 11 man football Okay, so if you're listening now, think of it. This is this is it. I mean, there's 15 people. This is for practice. This is for everything. So you you know, typically you have your varsity offense, and when a varsity offense is running through plays, you would have the JV defense go against you. So you have at least some resistance, right? You're saying you had like 15 total people on the team. So that leaves you when you're trying to run varsity offense with 
a massive amount of, or a massive lack rather of bodies on the other side. So what did you do? Sometimes we set up sticks. <laughs> Seriously? It, like if there's some, yeah. like if some kids have been playing with sticks on the playground, we'd put sticks like in the position of a defensive lineman. See, you where they say that jokingly, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> if we really needed bodies, we would get the junior high to come stand. We, zero contact, but just, just to don't. see what it looked like to play against someone. But mm -hmm. we'd have zero contact football practices because we couldn't afford any injury. Yeah, um, one. Yeah, right. That's true. Because we it, we all played both sides of the ball and all special teams, and just like I say, just get hammered and just wait for basketball. And they didn't want anyone to get hurt for basketball because it was like you get hurt playing junk football. Like it would be such a travesty for basketball because that's all anyone really. I mean, that's what everyone's really waiting for. But the year after I graduated, Fairfield hired a uh, new football coach, Les Meyer, mm -hmm. who who essentially established the dominance in football in Fairfield that Fairfield had in basketball. So there was, there was a big reversal. I wouldn't say a big reversal because Fairfield basketball still, they didn't get beat by 70 points like we did in football. <laughs> right. But basketball in Fairfield did decrease some of, their, some of their dominance. But with this new football coach, he had 20 years of of yeah. great and that, success. Yeah. And he ended up my coach. And it, yeah, it was it was fun to see him build that. One of my favorite stories I think you told me about your coach, Dean Gamrod. And 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 I love this story for just the mentality. He had a he had a policy for if you were late to practice, if you showed up late. And I want you to share that. What happened if you showed up late to practice? Is this where everyone else ran? Except the person? Yeah. Yeah. I remember when you told me that I was like, what? Like, but, that's so genius. It was a policy, but it never happened. It never happened. <laughs> He'd make you go anyway. Whoever was late didn't have to run. The rest yeah. of the team did. All the person late would watch. Yeah. Which that lets the team police themselves. Yeah. That's what I felt like. So, you know, you're watching your buddies basically get, would be getting punished on your behalf because of your tardiness. But like more so than a fear of running. Cause like you can run. Especially when you're in shape in high school, like whatever, you want me to run all practice, I'll run. But to sit and have everybody else run, I thought that was like a really powerful teaching, like, ooh. So Dean, Coach Gamrod, Dean Gamrod was known for, from tip-off to closing buzzer is ballistic. Right. Like, did he ever get through a game without a technical that you really remember? Yeah, because the refs were terrified of him, I think. They wouldn't even, they couldn't call Once him. in a while he would give him, but it was, I mean, just from tip off to buzzer, just screaming, yelling, just ballistic. So I think opposing crowds, players, coach, not coaches knew him, but other players, you'd see it and it was something to behold. Uh -huh. So I think people thought that our lives were probably miserable underneath him, <laughs> but I, I don't remember being yelled at once in practice never at halftime never after a game just very quiet calm huh. it was only during the games where it was just crazy and i had no idea because as a, as a boy i was scared of him not that i saw him a lot but on the street or anything i was just like oh no throwing chairs <laughs> kicking yeah, bleachers <laughs> but but as far as you know in, in practice very calm the only time i saw him in the locker room go like lose it uh-huh I think it was justified. We were, I think we were ranked number one in class B schools in Montana and belt was number one in class C. So in, in high school classifications in Montana, you have double A, which is the biggest high schools mm -hmm. like Billings, Great Falls, yeah. Missoula. Those would be like the equivalent of a 4A school and in the other big areas, they, yeah, big old high schools. So just under double A is class A which are some schools in Montana, Haver, Hardin, Lewistown, Lewistown yeah. yep, Class A. And then under that, you have Class B, which is going to be most all of the, the mid to smaller farm communities in the state. Mm -hmm. And the, the smallest are Class C, which are the, the smallest schools. In fact, all the Class C schools would play either eight-man or six-man football, depending on their yeah. size. Yeah. Fairfield usually is about the smallest class B school in the state and belt is usually about the biggest class C school in the state. Right. So I think enrollment wise that we were probably about the same. So belt had a really good 
team. We had a, a really good team, both ranked number one in our respective classes. Belt had a gym that held about four people. <laughs> Just yeah, literally. in fact, it wasn't even a it wasn't even a full court. It didn't have a full three point line. It was such a small gym. Okay, and so it's rare that you have two number one teams in different classes playing each other. It doesn't happen very often, and so there was quite a bit of interest in this game, and it would have been held at Belt's High School, which. I'm just, I'm being totally serious. Max capacity was, I don't know if it would even been 60. It yeah, was, I don't think so. You had the far side of the court where the teams sat. Yeah. And then on the other side, you had a wall. And on top of this wall, there's like a second deck that had three or four levels of bleachers that just ran just the length of the court. Yeah. And it wasn't even a full-size court. Right. A belt has since built a new gym. So they have a full-size court or full-size gym. But so we got approval to play this game at a high school, CMR, Charles M. Russell High School in Great Falls, which has a, a very big gym. Like a full wraparound. I mean, seating all the way in a circle. It's like the full, yeah, it was big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a gym that you could hold big tournaments at. Anyway, big gym. So we, we get approval to play in this gym. The gym is completely packed. People come from all over to watch this game, and it ends up being a great game. This was my junior year. We get down maybe three seconds left in the game and it, it was tied. Oh, and and we call, it was our possession. We called the timeout. So we were going to be inbounding at half court. Okay. So we, you know, huddled up, set the play we were going to do. And the goal was to get the ball to our point guard who will, you know, we don't need to go into details, the, get the ball to the point guard. The last thing, the last thing before we broke the huddle, our coach said, if you get the ball and cannot get it to the point guard, just hold on to it and we'll go into overtime. Oh yeah, because it was tied up. Okay. Whatever you do, don't throw a bad pass trying to get to the point guard because they'll tip the ball. They'll tip it down to their end, lay up, buzzer, game over. Done. So just hold on to the ball. That's like, that's it. Just this one thing. Go into overtime. Okay. So we could not inbound the ball to the point guard, got inbounded to another player on our team. He made a bad pass to the point guard. The ball got tipped down to the other end of the court, layup buzzer. Oh! <laughs> we lose by two points. Oh. oh. Exactly what he said not to do. I'm not going to say this other player's name <laughs> for fear of embarrassment, but he lost his mind is the best way to say it. So he, he ripped his jersey off. First of all, he's just screaming expletives at the top of his lungs. He rips his jersey off. So he's shirtless, throws his jersey this into the is crowd. On the court. On the court. As a high school senior, this guy. And it's on you know, this packed gym. And he, you know, runs into the locker room. We go shake hands with the other team, you know, talk to him a little bit because we, we know these guys a little. And then we hung out on the court for a little because we had had people from all over the state to come to watch the game. Yeah. And so, you know, people that had come in. So we were kind of hanging out talking and we end up, you know, we get back to the locker room and our coach, he just says, well, you know, yeah, well, is what it is. The game, you know, next one, you know, nothing really major. It was, you know, but before he did that, he came in and started talking to us and they had this big cavernous locker room and deep in the bowels of this thing, you hear this boom, <laughs> it just kind of echoes. boom. And our coach stops and he walks back there and this kid who had made this bad pass was back there just slamming lo these metal lockers, just punching Punch and beating them. <laughs> okay. And so, so our coach, you know, he yells at him a bit, gets him back with the rest of the team and tells him to sit down. And he's talking, this kid, I'm watching him and he's, he's leaning forward with his, you know, elbows on his knees. He's just <laughs> <laughs> hyperventilating himself. No, no. Like just working himself up. You can see he's not, He's not, not de-escalating. He's, he's further escalating. Uh -huh. And this is, I mean, this is 10 or 15 minutes after the game has ended. And, and so, this isn't like for state. This is, this was a, just a, this was a game in the season. No, I mean, it, it, not even in our rankings for playoff standings. Cause it's, it's, a, a, it's a, not even in the same class of schools. Right. Okay. Just a, a fun game. <laughs> Non-conference, a fun game anyway. So our coach finishes and he, he starts walking out of the locker room. And this kid 
it just continued to escalate just his like intensity. This time, Mom, just like a so he gets cooker. up and just starts beating on walls and lockers, everything you can see is beating on. So, so at this point, he's been just on a full rampage for this entire time, other than the couple minutes that the coach made him sit here. And while he was sitting there, he was hyperventilating. I mean, he was going <laughs> <laughs> breathing like that, just going. So he he's, he stands up and just starts losing it again, and he makes his way across kind of this little aisle into a, it was an open bathroom and there was a, a plastic garbage can on metal casters oh, yeah, metal yeah. wheels on like the bottom to roll the laundry around or whatever and so he's beating us up and he grabs that that a garbage can and he takes it he takes it and he just does like a 360 spin and just launches it <laughs> and he launched it and you just watch it was almost like slow motion you watch this thing it, is it flipped through the air those casters flew around and it crossed the other side of the the room where the coach's room was with this huge mirrored window and those casters hit that window and it just exploded (laughs) 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 and this is and this is in the school that they're just like, yeah, you guys can they have a game. Borrow their yeah, gym. Borrow our gym. Here you go. So he, you could see, I don't know if any of you listeners have ever taken things just a touch too far <laughs> and something happens and you just deflate and go, oh, you could just see his face. All of that. <laughs> it's all, all of that. Up. himself up just deflated oh. and you could just see him go, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was so loud. Our coach came running back in and that's the only time. I've seen him screaming as much as I ever saw him scream on the court. That's the only time in the locker room I ever seen him scream. Oh, man. Needless to say, we were disinvited from ever playing at that gym again. Banished. But, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, good times, man. I miss those days. Those were the good old, good old days. Yeah. So that was high school for me was uh, sports and then, you know, some of the stories that we've talked about yeah previous yeah so now you you get into this is where the story really starts to move fast and lots of different things it's like oh we're here we're there we're here we're there so you you made the decision to go to school out in in nashville to pursue music music business okay music business but not not initially so i graduated in 97 1997 and i found myself in central california working for an organic fertilizer company, which we talked a little bit about that in our previous episode. And when we were talking about those end dump trailers, that was the company I was working for. We're hitting the end of our time here. Okay. And we're probably going to go, if we're going to go into that, it's going to be another big long one. So we probably should start tying this thing off and not get too far into that. Okay. Well, we can do that. We can wrap it up. We got to get to the rest of your story because this is where you're really going to start to understand like, this is where you're going to start to blow your mind how Luke, it just goes so many different directions in my mind. Then you end up here to where we're at right now doing this podcast and to see the different roads and, and ways that led you here is really interesting. Yeah. So maybe we'll talk about that next time. <laughs> maybe. I'll talk him into it, you guys. Don't worry. You're going to hear the rest of this story. I have a feeling we got to get Rooster on here again soon, though. Yeah, definitely. Did you guys enjoy that? I did. Even like we talked at the beginning, going back and listening to it, it was, it was good. And he liked it. I talked to him the other day about it and he's like, man, that was fun. I I sounded better than I thought I would. (laughs) He was pretty nervous about that. Even though when it's just us talking around, sitting around talking, he does no problem talking. Yeah. Right. Usually you can't get out of there. He's liking to talk. So yeah, so we'll, we have a lot to cover still. We've got some plans for some of the some of the guys that dad used to truck with, we want to get them and, and roost on at the same time, which I think there's going to be some. Yeah. Yeah. That's the fun about this. You guys, it's just the beginning. We have like in our, in our notes and our planning, we've got, we've got a great list of people that we want to get in and talk to and really grateful to have you guys along to, uh, to do this adventure with us. Why don't you give the website and the info and we'll, we'll wrap this up and steady at the wheel.castos.com. That's C-A-S-T-O-S. Steady at the Wheel Podcast it on Instagram. Yep. Steady at the Wheel Podcast at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on any of those any of those ways. Jackson's got he's got his YouTube page. At Wild Wild West. 
check out some ranch and some trucking adventures there. And then on Instagram, you can follow along at Shumanush, S-H-U-M-U-N-U-S-H. So if you guys are hearing us talk about anything and you want a little more clarification or a little more background or a little more circumstantial situations on those, you know, feel free to reach out and we can, we can certainly circle back and, and cover that. Also, if we are using terminology that is unfamiliar, feel free to reach out and ask us and we probably will clarify that on a, on the next podcast. I, I know listening with my wife, there were a couple things where I saw a confused look and I had to pause it and say, oh, that's what this is. Yeah. It's a good, good call. Oh, I know what it was. Mm-hmm. It was when you were, you were talking about that guy you'd met whose truck had got ruined from Mount St. Helens. You said he was running reefer. Oh, my wife got the weirdest <laughs> look and she thought that, <laughs> He's that like, he was all in just, marijuana. Just like the master weed man. I said, no, that's, that's a refrigerated yeah. trailer. Yeah, um, some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. We, we do need to remember that for a lot of you guys that are listening. So if there's something that you're, you're not familiar with, Google's a good place to go or shoot us an email or reach out on, on Instagram or something and we can, we can go back and cover that. Thanks again for listening. We, we really appreciate the feedback and the support we're getting. And we'll just keep sitting down and, and trying to give you guys some, some stuff to listen to here. 